Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Like that fitting. Respect for they real. Every time. I know you feel this. <laughs> It's not a live wire unless Wes tells us it's time to live wire connect. And my guy <laughs> Panther Bo here. I, mean, I was going to give him a shout out. He's a big Texas Rangers fan about going up 2-1 in the World Series. Text in, Fitty ever going to stop with the Ubre delusion? <laughs> it's over. Hop on the Cleve Miller and Williams train. Yes, Cleve Stifford, Kyle Bailey yeah. accidentally called Steve Clifford. Cleve Stifford. Maybe that's why on, the defense has been so bad on the preseason sh- uh, on the pregame show, I should say last night. So yes, the Cleve Stifford, Brandon Miller and Mark Williams train is off and rolling. Thank you, Panther Bell. All right, let's get into some, uh, some sound. If you will, a lot of discussion about the struggles of one Icky Aquanu is what the head coach of the Carolina Panthers had to say about his starting left tackle struggles to start 2023. Icky's a great player. He had one or two struggles in the past game, but same thing. He's like every other player on our team. There was a, a couple bad plays, and there were a lot of good plays. You know, we're confident in Nicky and the player that he is, so we'll, we'll learn from it and get better. What do you think of those comments from Frank Reich on Nicky Aquano? I mean, I think, you know, he just tried to stay positive with him and keep his confidence up because the last thing you want, I don't know what his confidence is as we speak, but uh, whatever confidence he does have left, I guess he doesn't want to shred that because things could get worse still. I mean, it's been bad, but it could get worse. Here's my question. As we continue to see Iki Iquanu struggle, I wonder how much left tackle or tackle, I wonder how much that is moving up on the hierarchy list of needs this mm. offseason. On that grocery list. Is this going to be a position now, despite investing a sixth overall pick, into that position a couple of years back despite that is this now a position where you might spend a 33rd overall selection on it because they didn't get rid of their second round pick this upcoming draft that's Mm. gonna be the highest one that they have and so this isn't necessarily up there in the first round where you would have a top five pick if everything plays out the way it's been going to the first seven games you might not want to use the fifth pick on a left tackle after icky but 33 just to, I, I don't know. I don't know if that even changes your way of thinking. I just want to know how far up that need is moving up the hierarchy list. And even if it is a need, would you consider it that? Yeah, uh, lots of positions to try to figure out and left tackle. It might just be one despite using that sixth overall selection. Well, you're going to have to address most of, if not the whole line, and try to at least address the majority of this offensive line this offseason. So you're going to have to spend a pick or two on it anyway. So if you've got a tackle sitting there with that second-round pick that you feel really good about that can step into the league and uh, be able to be productive right away, then, yeah, I think you do spend some draft capital on that. What else you got, Fitty? Well, that's what Frank Reich had to say about Icky struggles. Here's what former Panthers wide receiver Steve Smith had to say yesterday on the Kyle Bailey Show. Well, I mean, they're doing some things that confuse them, kind of make them, you know, here's what I would say about Icky that, that people don't realize. Icky is a heavyweight boxer, right? He, he he punches hard. He throws a lot of his power and juice behind it. And you got to anchor in. And sometimes when you do that, that can throw you off balance or be a little bit slow through the draw when they do a TE stunt. There's a few times, a few times that he's been a little slow to react because 
he is it is coming from Hades that punch that he has. He's one of those players. Once he gets his paws on you, you can't get him off. But he has to learn a little bit how to play a little bit more quicker feet, quicker hands, and less punch. That's just really he's going to have to learn that. Yeah, I mean, that's some of the things that I was talking about when you say technique-wise, when I was saying he'll stop his feet, he'll give up that inside foot, different things like that, because he isn't the fleetest of foot, even though he is a pretty good athlete. But that's why I said maybe shedding a little bit of weight this offseason, 10, 12 pounds could help maybe lighten those feet up. But I think Steve Smith was dead on with what he said, and those were a lot of the things that I see too. It feels like a guy that has – fun film to evaluate coming out of NC State where if he does get in front of you and he does get your hands on you, then you're going backwards. He does feel like that that's the kind of power that Iki Kwanu possesses. It's not often, despite all the struggles we've seen from him, we usually don't see him get pushed backwards like Jonathan Grenard was able to do rushing the passer. So it, we'll see if Iki can, can, can improve. We got good film last year. We got pretty good film last year. It's certainly better than what we got this season. Maybe he can get back on track. Wes, how much stock do you put into maybe moving him inside to play left guard? Um, Yeah, I think it's a thought, uh, especially if the season continues the way that it's been going. I think they probably give him one more chance to be able to hold down that left tackle spot, and then maybe they kick him down inside because I still think they have some faith in him in that building. Uh, he definitely needs to right the ship, but um, I think if they have a tackle that they feel like in the draft when they do select with that first selection that they feel could be a starting level guy and end up being a really good Pro Bowl caliber player, then I think that uh, maybe they could end up kicking him down in there. All right, I don't mean to pile on with the Clemson stuff, but I didn't get to play this soundbite yesterday. And this is what this is what Paul Feinbaum had to say pre-Dabo going off on Tyler from Spartanburg, where he said that they are the saddest story in college football this year. The saddest story in college football this year is Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. And Matt, there's not a single person outside of that area code who, who is feeling sorry. This is uh, a coach who has thumbed his nose at the norms of where we are today. I'm not saying the traditions, I'm saying where the, where the game is. And, you know, he has, he has made countless mistakes uh, and it's now blowing up. And, and I, I think the, the, the real question for, for Dabo Sweeney and Clemson is, can he get it back? Yeah, I mean, you know, Paul Feinbaum is definitely an SEC guy. He's going to take any chance he has to take a shot at the ACC team, especially Clemson. We know the relationship that they have. I mean, we'll see how this offseason goes with Dabo if he does hit the portal and do a lot of the things that people have been saying that he needs to do. So I think there is some truth to what Feinbaum has been saying. Uh, but we know, like I said, he's very adversarial towards Clemson uh, and the ACC. Well, I, let, let's let's discuss the mistakes that led them to a 4-4 four and four team. What are they? And is Paul Feinbaum right for questioning, are they going to be able to come back? Because he's one that's been on this, what, really, like the first loss? Maybe <laughs> Paul Feinbaum is saying it after the Duke loss, which seemed way too early. And part of this, it, Paul Feinbaum can pound his chest and say that he was right all he wants to. We're going to have to take it with a grain of salt coming from the mouth of the SEC. And I totally get it. That's his shtick. That's all fine and good. But was he right in questioning Clemson's ability to come back to a point where they can be as dominant as they once were? 
Wes, I'll ask you, because you've not been nearly as critical about them not going into the transfer portal. You've said this is fine. They'll get back. Do you still feel as confident with the 4-4 four and four record? Yeah, I mean, I just feel like with a school like Clemson, they have so much talent everywhere that they kind of have to go out to targeted transfers. Like, if you feel like there's a wide receiver sitting there that could be a difference maker, then you go get that guy because we know Clemson routinely brings in four- and five-star wideouts. Uh, same thing at a lot of other positions. If there's a guy that you truly feel like can be a difference maker, then you go do that. But for him just to go into the transfer portal, just to be able to get some guys to say, look, you know, we went into the transfer portal. Clemson's roster and to crack that starting lineup isn't going to be easy to make. These guys have four and five star players that are top flight talent, going to be NFL draft picks down the road. So, you know, and I get the developing the homegrown guys that you get. That's just where we're at. Everybody, like I said, on that instant success. And so it seems like a lot of coaches, like we talked about yesterday, saying is it lazy for coaches to just want to go into the portal and get a guy that's already seasoned and experienced as opposed to developing high school talent. Well, when you're getting the type of high school talent that Clemson is, yeah, I'm all for developing those kids because, like I said, tough times aren't going to always last. But Clemson, I do feel like we'll need to go into the portal to get some kind of pointed transfers, some guys that they feel like can immediately come in and be difference makers, not just you know, guys out there on the field taking up spots. Oh, and to use it just to be able to say that you used it is dumb. That's right, not right. the that's not the reality. What mm-hmm. you should be doing with the transfer portal is not disregarding its existence. It it's just you're completely neglecting it. That doesn't make any sense to me. When you just have no reason to go into the transfer portal or even look at it. I think he thinks it's just this figment of imagination and the only guys that show up are guys are going to be backups. And so that is a tool for you to have access to, to improve your football team. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you go there just to get a transfer and then appease the crowd. But you got some talented dudes in there, especially with what we've seen the last couple of years. Football teams that have finished above you. Football teams that might only have a transfer going for them. Uh, they've used it and, and got their team better. It's just time, in my opinion, for Dabo to look at it and see if there's something that can help their football team rather than act like it doesn't exist. Well, one thing I will say, too, and, and I think a lot of people looked over it. You know, I cut a lot of sound for the ACC when we make game previews and things of that nature, you know, watching press conferences. And Dabo has said before that, you know, there are guys that they have uh, gone after. He said, but they got to want us too. And he also said that he and talked about, and he talked about the locker room dynamic as well, bringing in transfers. Because the thing about Clemson that I've always said, it's amazing to me how they get these big time players who are great kids. They hardly get into trouble. You might have one or two every now and again that do something, but they get great kids. I mean, I was watching that coach's show last night, Sheridan Jones, just hearing him talk. And I'm like, man, Clemson really gets, and I've been saying that from the beginning when they had the Brasees and the Dexter Lawrences and all these guys. And I'm like, man, Clemson finds great athletes who are great students who aspire to have careers beyond football. It's crazy. It's not the typical factory with guys that are just meatheads that just want to play football. And if the NFL doesn't work, then they got to figure out their life. And so he talked about that as well, as far as saying that guys coming in, messing up the chemistry of the locker room. So there are a few factors that, because if I'm, I believe they were trying to get Jordan Addison, because I think he was in his, they were in his list of schools when he was going around looking at the portal. But yeah, I mean, like I said, as far as just to be able to get some immediate fixes to really be able to compete next year, he probably is going to have to go get a few guys. All right. We have one more soundbite to get to on the live wire. All right. Um, a lot of people are concerned about the slow start to the season 
for LaMelo Ball. Maybe even a little bit so Mark Williams after a strong uh, season debut against the Hawks. But Steve Clifford's not worried, saying it's been four to five weeks that they've been cleared to do basketball activities. They've only been cleared. It's been like four and a half, five weeks. You know, they're behind these other guys. So the only way to do it is to let them play through it, which obviously we need them both. That's what we're going to do. But they, they both did whatever they could to get ready. You don't play at this level, especially shorter training camps, and you're not. They, they weren't able to do anything with contact until right before training camp. So they're behind. I like how Doug Branson put it yesterday, my co-host on the Locked On Hornets podcast. I think every post-game press conference, Steve Clifford is going to reveal one player that actually was only cleared a couple of weeks before the preseason started. <laughs> it might be Gordon Hayward after the next game that they have. But we I don't think it was real clear to us that Mark Williams was cleared himself just a couple of weeks before training camp started. I, look, I asked Mark Williams after the game last night, and this was after Steve Clifford had these comments. I said, basically, Mark, are you good? <laughs> are you feeling okay? And he said, yeah. I feel like I've, you know, got decent enough conditioning. It's not great, but I feel like it's pretty good. Mm. You can see, I, this is the thing I wonder, man. Is Steve Clifford trying to defend a couple of young players on the roster with LaMelo still trying to find his rhythm, which I can believe that one a little more so because of the injury that he suffered that ended his season last year. But with Mark, we said, hey, Mark Williams just played his best game as a Charlotte Hornet in the opener against the Hawks. No doubt. That guy was crazy good against Atlanta. He went eight for eight yesterday, and I feel like defensively there was a lot to be desired, which is why we love Mark Williams. You're 7-1, protecting the rim. They go five out, and P.J. Washington defensively, I don't want to do the P.J. thing, but played better, had 12 rebounds, and Mark at seven feet didn't have as many, right? And so that's the issue. Hopefully, look, still love Mark, still love LaMelo, but I hope they get healthy and get in condition soon because – you don't have a whole lot of margin for error. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. The start of the season is so important for this team, for the morale of the fan base. And like I said, man, you want to see the Hornets have some success. And if they have a just a bad start and guys just can't get it together and they start out in the hole, it's going to be hard to climb out of it. That'll do it for the live wire.